from Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's time for the Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at gospelmailbox.org. And now for today's lesson, here's Donnie Bryson. Welcome to another treatment of the International Sunday School lesson. Today's lesson is entitled, Who is King? And it's taken from 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter, verses 4 through 7, and then 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 24. And it's for October the 23rd, 2022, fall quarter, lesson number 8. Now, a little background information. Now, this story today is about the request and selection of the first king of Israel, which was King Saul. It was not King David, but it was King Saul. Now, I got tickled doing, doing my research a little bit. Uh, from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, they said that this was when Samuel was old. He was now about 54 years old. Well, <laughs> that doesn't seem that old to me anymore. <laughs> in fact, that almost seems a little bit on the young side. But in the time frame that this was, 54 years old was a very advanced age because a lot of people died much younger than that. And... um Samuel had discharged his office of being a judge and a prophet for about 12 years. But he was getting sick and he was getting old and he wasn't really able to make the circuit around to perform the office of a judge. He was more or less staying pretty much well stationary. So he had his two sons that he turned over the administrative duties of the office. But his two sons did not follow in the footsteps of their father, Samuel. They were corrupt. They took bribes. They were a burden to the people of Israel. And so that really prompted the request that the children of Israel had of set us up a king because the system of judges really wasn't working out that well for them. And we found found in the book of Judges multiple times where it talks about how that a lot of times the children of Israel pretty much well did whatever they thought was the most convenient thing, uh, and were not really that attentive to following the rules and regulations that they were supposed to because there wasn't like a centralized government. And the people of Israel actually understood that and realized that. So they began 
to uh, they wanted to request to have a king. And we know from the Torah where God understood that was going to eventually happen. And God knew that was going to eventually happen. And he talked about it in the Torah. And, and I'll be quoting that verse from Deuteronomy a little bit later in the lesson. Now, First Samuel 8, 4 and 5. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not work in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So see, the children of Israel had seen how the governments of the other places around, how they worked. And they were beginning to get envious of that of that system. Now, we know from a little bit above, uh, the three verses above uh, our, these current verses, 1 Samuel 8, 1 and 3, 1 through 3, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. So we see here that one of the things that's going on is that the failure of Samuel's sons was more than the children of Israel could withstand. And so we see how that that really was one of the big prompting things for them requesting to have a king over them. Now, 1 Samuel 8 and 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now, I want all of us who are in positions of leadership inside the church or inside a ministry to really listen to what is going on here. Now, Samuel was offended that this was being said. But rather than react out of that offensive, his anger and his frustration, Samuel turned and prayed about it. How many times in our lives, how many times in my life, things would have went a lot better if I had just taking the time to stop, not really say anything, go off somewhere, pray to the Lord, and get an answer before I responded. There are so many times that we will say things and that we will do things, and it'll be the wrong thing because we were talking when we should have been praying. 
There are all all kinds of situations that happen in churches, in ministries, at work, in our families, where things will crop up. And our initial reaction is to run that mouth. But our wise reaction would be to go off somewhere, talk to the Lord, get an answer, get settled what we need to be doing according to the will of God, and then do what God would have us do. Philippians 4 and 6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We need to have a a prayerful heart. We need to seek the face of the Lord when situations come up. When somebody uh, says at church that we don't know anything about what color of carpet to get and that we're just stupid, rather than to react, we need to go off somewhere and pray and say, okay, well, Lord, what do I need to say and what do, how do I need to act in this situation? And then get an answer from God and do what he says to do. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, naturally, Samuel was upset. It offended Samuel. You let somebody come and tell you something about your kids, and the natural reaction is to take offense to it. The natural reaction is to take offense to it. So Samuel was giving the natural fatherly reaction. What do you mean my kids ain't good enough to be judges over you? That was that was his natural reaction. And we can be in the same boat. What do you mean my kids ain't good enough to be youth pastor? What do you mean my kids ain't good enough to be the song leader? What do you mean my kids ain't good enough to be the Sunday school teacher in that class? Who are you to say that about my kids? I've raised my kids. I've known them since, since they were born. Those are my kids. If you reject them, you've rejected me. And that's some of the times the reaction that we that we have. And it may very well be that the person is right, that the that your child is not the best fit for that, that it's even a burden to your child. You got to get the the command from the Lord, the leadership of the Lord Jesus in all things, okay? Pray without ceasing. First Samuel 8 and 7. 
And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, I want us to step back and think about what this business about the Lord being king over them is really talking about. And the government that Israel had in those initial years that they were in the promised land. They were the only true theocracy that has ever existed in the world. The children of Israel, they did not have a centralized government. They would occasionally need a judge to come up and help straighten them out where they would backslide. And they repeatedly backslid during the period of the judges during that theocracy. And that was, like I said, the only true theocracy that has ever existed on the face of this planet was during the period of judges in the uh, in the promised land. Now, there have been people who have claimed to be a theocracy, but God didn't institute that area to be a theocracy. That except for during the period of the judges where the people were supposed to follow the commands of God and they were to live righteous and holy lives and the government was basically handled by the priest And when they would start backsliding, uh, God would raise up a judge to help get them back in line and to overthrow some group that had taken over and and had subjugated them and invaded them. But uh, they were, the children of Israel were saying, this has not worked out for us. Because we cannot follow the Lord faithfully. They didn't really realize that's what they were saying. But that's really what they were saying. Because that's the reason why the, why the judges, the period of the judges, the theocracy, didn't really work out that well for the children of Israel. Because when they were left to just follow the law and to follow God and to do the right thing, they would backslide, they would fall into idolatry, and then the people around them would invade and they would be subjugated. So that's really what this is talking about. But see, now God knew that this was going to happen. 
This was all in his plan. Uh, we know from Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17 in the Torah, it says, When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. Now, we know from the history, later history after the book of Samuel, how that that was the main failings of the kings of Israel is they did not live by the commands the Lord gave in the Torah. They began to take a lot of strange wives, and those wives led them off into idolatry. They began to be really concerned with wealth and were a huge burden on the children of Israel. You remember how that that uh, Solomon's son said, well, you thought that my daddy's uh, taxes on you was was heavy? My, his taxes ain't going to be nothing but just a considered a little bitty finger on you, and I'm going to be a big hand mashing down on you where he was just going to tax them and burden them because he had he felt like he had the right and it ended up causing the kingdom to be split now first samuel 10 17 and 18 now samuel called the people together to the lord at mizpah and he said to the people of israel thus says the lord the god of israel i brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of to of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. And here we are at a very decisive point in the history of Israel, and Samuel is reminding the children of Israel where all they had been and what they had been brought from and how that God cared for them. They went from being slaves in Egypt to having their own country in a land of milk and honey. And they had grown to this point. And God had looked out after them. And every time they needed help, God would raise up a judge to lead them out of bondage where this group or that group would invade and take over. 
and God had dealt with them and had loved them. And they were being reminded by Samuel that how that God had looked out over them. First Samuel 10 and 19. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So they're going to go through this period, this process of casting lots. But I want us to really stop in and let me just remind you of something a little bit earlier in the book of Samuel, how that Samuel under the direction and leading of the Lord God Almighty, Samuel had already went out and anointed Saul as king of Israel. This is before this lot casting ever, ever was done. So what's going on here? I tell you what's going on. God had already told Samuel who the king of Israel was going the first king of Israel was going to be. And he had already sent him to Saul to anoint him as king of Israel. And Saul had had a true change of heart during this process. And, but the people needed to understand that Saul was the king of Israel. So this process of casting lots and with the people being involved in it was for their benefit so they would accept Saul as king of Israel. Now, I tell you, this whole story of Saul is extremely complex. Saul was a very complicated person. You can see where he actually really did have an encounter with God, where his heart was truly changed. But the, and he had a humble heart to start with. But he had later on had significant failings where he let pride come in. But he did start off right. Okay? 1 Samuel 10, 20, and 21. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clans, clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. And now, again, I want you to remind you that Samuel had already anointed Saul as king. And so Saul, in his embarrassment, in his, in his um, 
meekness had hid himself out. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. And when they ran and took him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. So we see here how that Saul was a very uh, a very impressive individual, how that he was so much taller than everybody else. We see here how Saul had hid himself among the luggage because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. And we see how this early this early time period, how that Saul was a very meek and humble person. Okay? But he did not stay that way. And that's what ended up costing him the kingdom. But that's a different story for a different day. 1 Samuel 10:24. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Now, I want to emphasize the fact that Christians should be supportive of those who are over us. We see where Paul was talking to the Romans, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will be will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who comes out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very way. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes is owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, I want to remind all of us that Paul was talking about the people who would eventually execute him for preaching the gospel. And the only time that we are allowed to be disobedient is over the matter. If they tell us not to preach, we're going to preach anyway. But other than that, we're supposed to be law-abiding, respectful citizens. Now, concluding thoughts, folks, be, do your duty, be respectful, listen to God. Be calm. Well, friends, good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next weekend. 
You have been listening to The Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at thegospelmailbox.org. 